Well, good morning again. Glad that you're with us today. We started a series last week called Easter Changes Everything. And I know that you know Easter is over. Easter is just one day. But really, folks, if we believe Easter, if we believe that the resurrection really took place, uh, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Every day should be a resurrection day. Uh, We should be living our lives in light of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead all the time. And so we are going to continue this series for six weeks about how Easter changes everything. Last week we talked about how Easter changes your future, and today we're going to talk about specifically how Easter changes your purpose. And so I'm excited about doing this. I'm going to look at uh, many different passages today, what the Bible teaches about purpose, but we're going to use kind of a key passage in Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Paul talks a little bit about his own purpose. I think we can uh, see a pretty good roadmap there for determining our purpose. And uh, so that's what we're going to look at, Philippians 3, 3 through 14. But before we read that, let me ask you a question. How many of you can speak your purpose statement, your life, personal life purpose statement right now? How many of you can, can, t- can tell me that? Okay, I got two of these. Okay, so, so that tells me that we probably should l- really focus about what our life purpose is and be able uh, to express that, be able to talk about that. Now, how many of you know your company's purpose statement? Oh, man, <laughs> I wish your bosses were here. Okay, so uh, eight people. How many of you, your company, you know their purpose statement and they actually execute around their purpose statement? Wow, that's rare. Three or four or five. That's good. Because some companies, although they have one and they, they teach you it and they make you memorize it like drones and you, you know, walk around, oh, my purpose is this, uh, most of them don't actually uh, live towards their purpose. So today I want us to talk about uh, really what is your purpose. We've got to figure out what our own purpose is in life. And then I think we should be able to verbalize that. And so uh, by, by next week, I want you to do a little homework and be able to come back next week and be able to verbalize your life purpose statement, okay? I'll post a couple of things on the city this week to help you with that. But let's read Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Let's see what Paul says, and I think we'll get some, some help here. By the way, yours doesn't have to be this long. All right, here's what it says. He says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, 
but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul gives us some really good uh, thoughts and ideas here about what our uh, purpose should be. And he starts by saying this, our earthly pursuits are meaningless. Our earthly pursuits are meaningless. Let's go back and look at verses 3 through 7. And as I read them, I want you to really hear how Paul goes through and says, listen, when it comes to religious guys, guys, I'm the top dog. Nobody has out-executed me. I, I am the guy who has done it all. And then he'll say that it's not really worth much. Look what he says. He says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Listen, Paul's saying here that he has more reason to brag as a religious pursuer of God than anyone. Nobody can outbrag him. He's saying, listen, you think you did some stuff? I did more. He executed his plan almost perfectly, but now he says it was worthless. It was worth nothing at all. There are a lot of worthless plans in life, folks. The pursuit of fame, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of comfort, the pursuit of power, even the pursuit of significance without Christ, through your children, or through your relationships, or through even charity, is worthless. Now, I'm not saying that giving to people and being charitable isn't, isn't good, but if you're looking for your significance in life by being charitable and having other people recognize it, folks, you're going to be very disappointed. See, the reality is, everybody has a purpose in life, even if we can't express it and even if it's just to make it through another day you know the fact is that probably in a group this size there are people here whose purpose really is to just get through tomorrow and if I, if I can just get through tomorrow and then tomorrow I'll decide if I can just get through the next day and the next day and the next day but folks if that's your purpose you're missing out you're missing out on the joy of life. Not knowing your purpose leads to a lot of bad things. It leads to great frustration. It leads to great frustration because you don't know what to do. You're torn this way and that way. You've got all this stuff to do and you can't get anything done. And you don't really have any priorities or purpose that, that tells you what to do. So you're pulled in a hundred different directions. It's really hard to be motivated if you have no purpose. I mean, if your purpose really is to just make it through tomorrow, how in the world are you going to get out of bed? 
I mean, honestly, if, 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 if I had, if my purpose was to just make it through tomorrow, I don't know that I would get out of bed. I might just stay right there and go, you know what? I, I got no other reason but just to get through today. I don't think I'm going to get up. It also leads to poor focus. Poor focus. The reality is we get torn in doing a lot of good things that aren't the best things. Probably not a lot of people in here are are tempted to become a drug trafficker or, or some kind of a, a career criminal. But we are tempted to do a lot of things that steal our time, steal our energy, steal our effort away from the things that are really important. And so knowing our purpose is important because if we pursue earthly things, folks, Paul says, listen, I count this as nothing I count it all as loss. All the time that I spent studying and, and doing the scripture and persecuting the Christians and everything that I did with such zeal, with such energy, I count it now as a waste of time. A waste of time. Listen, there are some things I look back in my life that I spent a lot of time and energy and effort on and they were just a waste of time. God doesn't want us to live like that, folks. And Paul gives us now some other information. He says, not only are earthly pursuits meaningless, but right purpose only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Look what he continues to say there in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Here's what he says. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, garbage, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There's Easter Sunday right there, folks. And may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul says that knowing Christ has a surpassing worth, way more important than any earthly pursuit that he has ever pursued. He's saying, listen, I, I've done a whole lot of things in life, but considering that, consider, you know, compared to my relationship with Jesus Christ, they're like trash. They're like common garbage. They're worth nothing. He says he has a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, not his own doing. Him more religious than anyone. Him more self-righteous than anyone says that's not what matters. It's not what matters. He says knowing Christ gives us the power of the resurrection, folks. See, Easter changes our purpose because the power of the resurrection is available to us through knowing Christ as our Savior. The same power that he rose from the dead from is available to us daily to live in if we'll simply choose it. We looked at this passage last week, but I want us to see it again, Romans 10, 9, and 10, because you may ask the question, well, how do we know Christ and get connected with him? How do we do that? 
Well, the Bible says that because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Folks, there's only one way to get connected to God and his purpose for your life. The reason you were created, there's only one way to start that process, and that's to give your life to him. That's to recognize that in your past, you've been a sinner. Maybe you were disobedient to your parents once or 5,000 times. Maybe you've lied. Maybe you've stolen something. Whatever the sin was that you've committed, maybe there's a thousand sins. There's many for me. The thousand sins that we've committed, folks, weigh on us. And we can't get rid of them. We can't, there's no giant scale in the sky. We can't be good enough to outweigh our bad. It's like putting a drop of poison in a glass of water. I don't care whether the water is uh, 6% or 8% or 10, 10 ounces. I don't care whether you put five drops of poison, 50 drops of poison, or 500 drops of poison in it. I don't want to drink it. You see, our lives get poisoned by sin. And the only way that we can get unpoisoned, the only way that we can get rid of our sins, is to recognize that God sent his son Jesus to the earth to pay for our sins by dying on the cross. And when he did that, he offered us the gift of eternal life and to be connected to God's purpose. By putting our faith and trust in what he did on the cross, we can connect with him as his children. And we now are connected to him with his purpose. And he can begin to live in us and through us. And we can begin to live for him. What Paul's saying here, folks, is listen. I know that all this religious stuff I did was worth nothing until until I got connected to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And when I put my faith and trust in him, all of a sudden everything changed. Now I'm living for something eternal. Now I'm living for something way bigger than what I've ever lived for before. And so it's important that we uh, don't pursue earthly things, that we get the right purpose starting with Jesus, but then, folks, we have to live out our purpose. We have to live it out. If God saved us from our sins just so that we could go to heaven someday when we die, it just makes sense that we should all drop dead as soon as we receive Christ. So we pray, a little kid prays at youth camp, thank you, Father, I know that I'm a sinner, I give my life to you, I accept what Jesus did on the cross to save me, I give my life to you, in in Jesus' name, amen. They have a massive heart attack and die. If that's the only purpose, but it's not. You see, God didn't just save us for the purpose of letting us go to heaven. That's a great byproduct, folks. It's It's a great part of the purpose, but that's not the whole purpose. He wants us to live out our purpose here on earth. Look what Paul says in verse 13 of Philippians 3. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Man, there's a purpose statement. Listen, folks, out of all the stuff I do, there's just one thing I do. One. That's forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul says, listen, there's just one thing I do, folks. I forget the past, and I strain forward to the future. He says, you got, we got to forget our past. And by the way, that's both the guilt of our failures and the glory of our successes. We've got to forget about both of them. Why? Well, if we let Satan the accuser beat us up about our past and all the things that we've done in the past, and we focus our minds 
on those things, we will never feel like we can accomplish anything that God really wants. If we think, listen, I, I think God's really built me for this. I think he's, he's, he's wired me for this thing, this ministry thing. I, I think I could really do a job. I, I really should tell the pastors I should, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to lead this ministry and I'm going I'm to see God work in great ways. Oh, but man, I, the thing I did five years ago, man, somebody will bring it up. Some, that, that thing I did 20 years ago that nobody even knows anything about, I, I know about it. I can't ever do anything really significant for God. I've been a failure most of my life, and I see no reason for that to continue. See, when we begin to think that way, folks, we're out of the game. We take ourselves out. We just decide, well, I guess because of the past, I can't really do anything significant for God. And we basically thumb our nose at God's purpose for the future because we just, we just aren't going to commit to it. But also, we got to be careful not to glory too much in our past successes, even if they're legitimate. Because if we always focus on how God worked back then, how God used me in college, we'll ride that all the way and, and just kind of stay out of the Man, you know, uh, the, the height of my spiritual life was back when I was in college, and, and I would... <clears throat> You know, I would meet with some guys at the Baptist Student Union, and we would meet there every, every morning at uh, 6 o'clock, and we'd pray for an hour. And we did that for three solid years. Man, I was, I was so on fire for God. I shared the gospel with everybody I could and led a bunch of people to Christ and discipled a bunch of people. And, man, God really used me back then, but I don't see that happening again. I don't really have the time or the energy or the effort. But, man, that was really cool. I'm just going to ride the wave of what happened back then and not think about how God can use me in the future. So we've got to be careful. We've got to forget the past. And we've got to press on. He says straining forward. Now, I was going to have everybody do a straining uh, thing on your face. Everybody show me what straining looks like, but I thought it would scare me. So I don't want you to do that. But think about, think about an athlete, like a, like a weightlifter. You know, when they, when they, those big old weights, you know, and they, they're, they're just straining, you know. And man, they just, I mean, they just give it all that they have. Paul's, that's the word Paul's using here. He says, listen, I'm straining forward. I'm going to go forward with God's plan, with God's purpose. If it kills me, he says, I've got to forget the past and press on. Here's why, folks. You may not know this, but God has a lot of good things planned for you to do. Oh, but pastor, I'm not going to be a pastor. Okay. I'm not going to be a missionary. Okay. I'm not going to be a full-time Christian worker. Okay. God's still got a lot of really great things planned for you to do. Look what Ephesians 2.10 says. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has been making plans for us to live out our purpose by doing good works for a long time. He wants us to be doing good. While we are living out our purpose, folks, we have got to keep our focus on what he wants us to be doing. But look at Matthew 6.33. Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This can't take a back seat, folks. This can't be our, our, our second or third purpose in life, our relationship with Christ. 
Jesus is very specific here. In fact, in this verse, he's, he's specifically talking about uh, uh, um, sustenance. He's talking about food and drink and clothing. He says, listen, all these things will be, get, you know, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, these things will just take care of themselves. He shares a little parable with them. You'll read that in Matthew chapter 6. He says, listen, when we really seek two things, God's kingdom and God's righteousness, everything else will fall into place. That means being the person he wants us to be by being righteous and doing the things that he wants us to do by seeking the kingdom of God and growing the kingdom of God, that those are the most important things. It's about both being and doing. Now, folks, to be balanced people, we have to, we have to focus on both of those things. It's really interesting. Jesus says, seek first these two things. You ever thought about that? He says, listen, there's two equally important things. You've got to seek first these two things. God's righteousness by being the person he wants you to be and God's kingdom by doing the things he wants you to do. If you'll seek those two things first, everything else will fall into place. Now, that we should consider that when we're thinking about writing out our purpose statement. By the way, we have got to live out our purpose, or the reality is, it's not really our purpose. In other words, if you come up with your life purpose statement by next week, but you don't really live that way, it's not really your life purpose. Because the way we really live is what our purpose is really all about. Something else has stolen its place. Now, some of us <clears throat> kind of confuse ourselves, I think, because we think of a list of things that are most important in life. And we look at a list like this. Well, here are my list of priorities. God's first, and then my family, and then my church, and my ministry, and then my job, and my finances, and then my recreation. And so that's the order. That's kind of the pecking order of importance. Now, I can't follow this, folks. I, I, I've tried this before. I, this can't, doesn't work out for me in reality. I know it sounds really good, but what happen, how do I categorize when I bring my family to church to worship God? Is that family time? Is that God time? Is that ministry? I mean, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to do this in real life. It sounds good as a list of important things, but it doesn't make any sense in real life. It can't be, it can't be executed. So we can't think this way. We have to think like this. With our relationship with Christ in the center and everything else falls into place around it. How do I deal with my relationships? However, my relationship with Christ dictates I should. How do I deal with my job? However, my relationship with Christ dictates I should. How do I deal with the church and my money and my recreation time and my family and my hobbies? However, my relationship with Christ dictates I should. You see, when you view your life this way, all of a sudden everything comes into, into view. It's pretty easy to execute. I woke up this morning. I'm going to do the things that my relationship with Christ drive me to do. And so when you go to work, instead of being focused on just making money so you can make it through another day, you realize you're going there to make money to be a generous person and to be a missionary to the people who need to hear about Jesus while you're there. All of a sudden, the same action takes on a whole new meaning, you see, when your purpose is clear in your mind. 
When Christ is a purpose, he will help you balance and prioritize everything else. I promise you. So it's important to not only have the right purpose, but to fulfill it by living it out. And then lastly, to complete your purpose by finishing strong. Complete your purpose by finishing strong. Look what Paul says in verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal. Toward the goal. Now the fact is, folks, some of us, well, all of us, unless Jesus comes back before, all of us will come to the finishing line of our life. I don't want to be limping across the finish line or crawling across the finish line I want to finish the race strong. I know those make for good YouTube videos when somebody falls down and breaks their leg and then they, they crawl across the finish line. You know, that's, that's a pretty cool video to watch. But in life, you don't want to do that. You want to be one of those people that run through the tape. You want to run through the finish line. So we've got to complete our purpose by finishing strong. Paul says, I press on, not... I limp along, hoping to collapse over the finish line. He doesn't say that. He says, listen, I am pressing on. How do we do that? How do we do that? There's a lot of different ways. A lot of different ways. Here's one of them. Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, I know I took a big risk last week showing you all my fantasy football trophy that somebody might break into my house this week and steal it. Thank you for not doing that. But think about everything you have, folks. I, I might be getting robbed right now. I, I mean, it may be happening. And somebody may be robbing you right now. The things that we are using, the things that we value are falling apart. If you have a car that you just treasure, let me tell you something. In time, that too will just fade away. The reality is all the stuff that Julie and I have accumulated over the years will probably, when we die, will be auctioned off or sold off on eBay by our kids and they'll split the money and that'll be the end of everything that we've ever worked for when it comes to the things in life as far as material. Now, I know people don't like hearing this, and they think that this is all churches talk about. It's not. But God's very specific in his word that there is a connection between our pocketbook and our heart, folks. We can't deny that. We cannot deny that. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want to put your heart into the things that will pass away and be gone? People in our church have had a house fire and lost everything before, everything they worked for. That could happen to any of us. Folks, we can't focus on those things. Those can't be our priorities. Those can't be our purpose in life to accumulate stuff. But here, Jesus says, lay up treasure in heaven. How do we do that? Is there a, is there a Jesus checkbook somewhere with deposit slips in the back where I can pull one out and somehow deposit it in my heavenly account? The answer is yes, there is. And you touched it a few minutes ago as the plate went by. The reality is God has 
has created a very unique and wonderful way for us to be generous people and to give to the things that are of eternal value through the local church. Today, when you put that offering in the plate, you help to sponsor over 5,000 missionaries all over the world, sharing the gospel with people. You help to support uh, the Parkville Women's Clinic who help women and families uh, to stay together and to, to, to be good to their children. You help the Missouri Baptist Children's Home who take care of orphan kids and kids that have been taken from their parents because their parents simply can't raise them. I mean, you, you helped to, to invest in eternal things this morning when you put money in that plate. Let me tell you something. You better invest in the things uh, and it's not just your money, folks. It's also our, our, our effort and energy and all that stuff. But Jesus talks more about our money than he does about our effort and our energy. But listen, you'll never see this picture in real life. That is a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Have you ever seen a hearse taking someone's body to the, to the, to the graveyard to put them in the ground with a U-Haul with all their stuff in it that you're going to bury with them? And by the way, even if they did that silly thing, it wouldn't help them any. Okay, of course you don't see this. Get this in your mind, folks. You don't want to live for just accumulating stuff. You want to invest in the things that are eternal. Look how Paul characterizes his spiritual goodbye in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Listen to these three things. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, I know that I don't get to determine how I die. Neither do you. God will work that all out. But I pray that I know it's coming. I hope that I'm in a hospital room or a retirement home somewhere and that I know that my last hours are coming. And I pray to God honestly, folks, that I can look at my family and my church family and say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Folks, that's what life is about. That is a wonderful purpose finish. If you can say that on your deathbed, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have run across the finish line. And I have kept the faith. And then die and be with Jesus, folks. You have done well. You have done really well. I want to finish today by helping us with a misunderstood and misquoted verse. It drives me crazy when I hear people uh, misstate or misquote or misuse God's word. You've heard this verse and your friends have quoted it to you, but usually it's only the central part. They leave out the first phrase and the last phrase because it means something completely different. In Romans 8, 28, the Bible says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, that is the truth of God's word. But I hear people all the time say, uh, all things work together for good. Hey, listen, don't worry about it. Just all things work together for good. No, they don't. No, they do not. When my lost friends die and go to a Christless grave, that is not good for anybody. It's not good for them. It's not good for their family. It's not good for their friends. 
It certainly is not good for God. God he breaks his heart. Not everything that happens is good, and we got to quit saying that and quit letting people say it to us. Okay? Let's correct them lovingly, lovingly, and say, no, no, no. What it really says is those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Folks, we got to know our purpose. we got to live out our purpose. Because in the end, that's what is best for us. Now listen, my friends that get cancer and, and they die, that works out really good. Works out really good for them. They get to spend an eternity with Jesus. It works out great for their families because they have hope and, and, and know that their loved one is, is, especially if they've lived out their purpose, know that they're with Jesus. That's great hope for them, great comfort. The Bible says that we don't grieve like those with no hope. And it works out good for everybody because they've been a great example. Do you see how important our purpose is, folks? And do you see how the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that he's the Savior of the world changes everything about our purpose? You should. It should. Okay, and by the way, this is not the prosperity stuff where you know, everything's just great for us. We, we go through difficult times. But in the end, if we follow God's purpose, it's good for us and everyone around us. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to embrace God's purpose. Give your life to his purpose for you. He is a better designer than you are, better designer than I am. All right? Give your life to him. And this week, I want you to really spend some time praying, searching God's word. Look at these verses. Look at some other verses if you want to. Um, I'll put a couple of things on the city. Derek, please remind, Pastor Derek, please remind me. And um, we'll put a couple of things on there for you to just help you uh, really put together your purpose statement. I'm going to ask some of you next week, hey, Sam, have you figured out your purpose statement yet? It would thrill my heart for you to look at me and say, yes, here's my purpose. Boom, 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 boom. And it's centered all around. It's centered all around these things. The right purpose coming from Jesus, how you're going to live out your purpose, and how to complete your purpose. I'm going to share with you my purpose statement that I've been leaning on for 20 years now, my life purpose statement. I'm going to share it with you next week because I don't want you to copy off me. Okay? Uh, maybe I'll share it with you late in the week on the city, but I want you to spend some time working on yours first. Folks, we should know our purpose. If somebody says to you, what in the world are you living for? You ought to be able to look them square in the eye and say, here's what it is. Boom. So let the resurrection, let Easter, let Jesus change and define your purpose so you can live for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that guides us, leads us, teaches us, Father, thank you for helping us to not pursue the things that are just of this world. They're so earthly and they're just going to pass away. God, help us to focus on the things that are really vitally important, things that, that grow your kingdom, things that uh, build our own uh, relationship with you. Father, help us to invest in others that they might find their purpose and live for you. God, help us this week as we tried to try to determine and uh, communicate our purpose, that we would be led by your spirit, led by your word, and that you would just help us then to execute our lives around that purpose. And eventually, someday, uh, just 
be welcomed into your presence with you saying, well done, you've been a good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.